Time to solve real problems in every education by answering key questions to ensure that every child can learn. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Every Child Can Learn. And I'm excited to welcome program Phil Maycomer. Phil, how are you? What's going on? Oh, I'm doing really well, Neil. You know, at the time of this recording, we're wrapping up another academic year, and we want to make sure that we give educators some real tools, as we know, to help their students shine. And I think our topic today is going to address that. Yeah, I think so, because we've, we've learned, we taught them how to read about it and write about it. And that's such important skill sets. And we even took two episodes to talk about writing and the importance. But the last part is something that I think that everyone has trouble with, Phil, except someone like me who's gifted in this area. And that is how do we <laughs> best prepare students to, do, to give oral presentations? Because when I'm learning, Phil, and all the shows I do and go on social audio, Clubhouse, Fireside, that lots of people get nervous when they're speaking in front of people, regardless if it's on the phone, if it's on in a recording, if it's presenting it in, on camera or presenting it in the classroom. Everyone gets nervous when they have to give a presentation. Don't you agree? I do agree. You know, Neil, I do public speaking for a living, as you know, and I still get butterflies before I launch a, a full day seminar, for example. And I think that part of that is because you care and you care about your contribution and you want it to be as impactful as possible. But the other part of it is some people do not feel that they're well equipped with the skills to hit it out of the park. And that's what we really want to train our students because oral presentations are a big part of a school environment at any grade level. They are so big part of it um, at any grade level. So our test, our question is, how do we best prepare students to give oral presentations? And wow, that's, again, a hefty process because you and I are talking about how we get nervous when we speak at times, but for, for, to prepare students who are afraid of what their peers are thinking, what the teacher's thinking, and are still not completely out of their shells, that's a challenge. You know, it is. And, you know, many learners have fear, dread, and sometimes, to be honest, like even confusion about what am I supposed to do? And, you know, not only does this manifest in like a lot of like physical symptoms, like they get shaky, they might get choked up or they have wobbly legs or they feel like they're gonna throw up, to be honest. Um, but also they have questions like, am I talking too fast? Uh, you know, what do I do with my hands? And should I shuffle my presentation materials around? You know, those kinds of things truly need to be addressed. And I feel that if we increase a student's understanding of how to be a presenter and what are the essential skills that they should focus on and have choice in, we are really going to embrace them having the joy of the art of the oral presentation, as I call it. So I think we should kind of dive in deep and Absolutely. say- Absolutely, yeah, let's see how you prepare, yes. Yeah, so like what should we be teaching kids? So, you know, first of all, sometimes 
we need in order to teach what something is, we need to teach what it's not, as I say. So for example, uh, having a list of specific vocabulary that students are going to learn about when being a speaker or presenter, like the volume of their voice, for example. We want to make sure we teach an appropriate volume of voice, but then also what it's not supposed to be. So in other words, you can't talk too low because you're not going to have impact and gain your audience's attention. But also now I'm going to raise my voice, not to startle our listeners, not too loud that people are like cringing with every word that you're saying. It needs to be just right. Same thing with the pace of a presentation. You don't want people talking too slow because that's boring to an audience, but you don't want to rush through it and go too fast because people are not even really going to understand what you're saying. You need to have your pace be just right. So that's what I mean about not only teaching what they're supposed to do, but teaching what they're not supposed to do, like I just did as an example. So there's like a set of skills that we should really be teaching our students. Very, very true, because you talk about specifically enough um, what not to do is an important thing in, in oral presentations because they see so many other people not follow the correct manner. And then talking about the voice, how loud your voice is or how low your voice is, a specific way that communicates the information, but it's not too slow or too fast. Right. And not always keeping the same pace. And that is something that I've actually mentored and coached educators about when teaching a classroom of children or a special educator or a speech pathologist, for example, doing small groups or one-on-one, -on -one, that you can be very conversational like I am right now, but then you could say, and these are the three things I need you to remember. Number one, and then you say it. Number two, and then you say it. So you could see how I was very conversational at a regular conversation pace, which was just right. But then I slowed down. Why? Because these are the things I want people to remember. And teaching our students to do that in their presentations, they love role playing this and learning how to be better. And you know, Neil, at the time of our recording, students in school are still wearing masks, right? And so a exactly. question came up and uh, several students have said to me, well, you know, Miss Bell, how are people even going to know I'm smiling at, when I'm giving my oral presentation? And I said, let's discuss that. You can tell if someone's smiling under their mask and here's how, right? Your cheeks rise up over your mask, your eyes, show a smile and they change the position. And so we actually did explicit lessons about this and it was very, very helpful to students, Neil. It seems very, very helpful because again, uh, the, the smile, such a powerful thing, different things, even if you are doing it in your body, this could deal with anyone in the presentation that even if you're doing an oral presentation and people can't see what you're thinking, you know, that smile gives you more confidence, that eye content gives you more focus, that uh, uh, how you stand gives you more 
uh, authority to the room, all these things need to be taught. Exactly. You know, and also, if students are presenting on a project that they have built or that they are sharing, the fact that they have a physical prop, so to speak, that they can then refer to, including maybe creating a slide presentation to pair as part of their presentation materials, we need to teach our students to look and then shift. And by that, I mean, look at your audience, but then shift and reference something in your project. And you can point it out. You could point to something on the projection screen on one of your slides and then be able to shift your focus back to your audience. That truly needs to be taught to learners of all abilities. Now, I always say this, Neil, and you know this from having uh, a family with children of all ages and or a range of ages, that students are really taught oral presentation skills as early as preschool. We just happen to call it show and tell, right? And that is a way to start getting students to feel comfortable sharing information. And so that is no different bringing a toy in for show and tell, sitting on the rug on your spot and everyone has their turn versus you're presenting on the Boston Tea Party diorama that you put together and sharing about the American Revolution. Presentation skills are presentation skills at any age. Definitely. But you're right. It's very hard for even authors, first-time authors, to utilize the prop of their book and talk about it at the same time. It's true. And you know, Neil, you and I in previous episodes, and I know you and I share this belief system in education, that one size does not fit all. So when you look at a list of skills that students need to acquire in order to become a strong speaker, as I call it, to have a powerful voice when giving a presentation. What works for Hannah to focus on as her top five things to focus on, on her read about list, for example, may not be the same for Scott, because Scott may have different challenges. You know, so Hannah might, you know, because she's very social, she may always smile at her audience. She does a very nice job sharing her opinion paired with facts, but she may need to focus on increasing the volume of her voice because she tends to be a little softer and needs to work on voice projection. Whereas Scott, not at all. He hits it out of the park with the volume and pace of his presentation, but he goes on and on and needs more focus. That would be on his list. So again, we need to personalize how we're teaching our students based on what their strengths are, what their challenges are, and then giving them lots of choices. Can we talk about some choices for presentation? Yes, definitely. And Neil? Definitely want to, yes. You know, presentations do not always have to happen in the front of the room because that in itself could give a student wobbly legs, feeling faint and dizzy and nauseous, right? So I like giving students a choice of, would you like to be in the front of the room or would you like to be 
in the back of the room and the whole audience needs to turn around in their seats because the back of the room doesn't feel as scary as the front of the room. Or would you like to be on the left side of the room or the right side of the room? I tend not to be a fan of standing at your desk because the audience uh, is not all in one place to have eye contact on the speaker. Um, but then also giving a choice to students of, would you like to stand and then have your presentation materials on a table next to you, in addition to presenting some slides or pictures, for example? Or would you like to be on a stool, not a chair, because that's too low for people to see you, but on a stool? Like, for example, when I um, am teaching a full day seminar or a half day seminar, I have varied places that I present from in the room. One, it keeps audience interest. And two, it shows that you can teach and learn from various parts of the room. I always walk down the center aisle to connect with the audience, teaching our students to be able to walk through and connect with their classmates is a really nice skill to teach them. But I always have a stool that I could then half sit on and then I tend to you know, go up to and show different presentation materials and point at the projection screen as well. So again, it's all about choice. And if students feel that they could pick the way they do things and kind of build it from a buffet, that decreases their anxiety for sure. Oh, awesome. How awesome is that? It's so true. When you the students have that choice, they're more willing to do something than if you force them to do it. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think to kind of close up our episode today, I would like to share some, in, some information on how to set up a successful question and answer period for students because sometimes they do such a great job with their oral presentation and then the teacher says, does anyone have any questions for Hannah? And all of a sudden she gets nervous, like what are they going to ask me? And then maybe they're not prepared to be able to be successful. And that always happens at the end of the presentation. And then that's the lasting impression that a student has of their contribution. So if we have students prepare themselves and set up questions and answers to then throw some questions out, I have done this with question bags for example, or question spinners. The teacher might say, does anybody have any questions for Hannah? And students raise their hand and Hannah says, spin a question. And she goes up with a piece of technology. It could be an iPad, it could be you know, a phone app, um, it could be something you know, on their Chromebook or come up and spin a question. All of the questions that are on that spinner, Hannah knows the answers to. And it becomes more of like a fun, engaging thing to do at the end of a presentation. So preparing students, whether the questions would be in a bag and you pick a question, whether they'd be on a piece of technology, preparing our students to then be able to conduct a successful question and answer period is also a part of building a powerful voice for the art of an oral presentation. 
All right. Wow. This was another unbelievable episode of value talking about oral presentations. Where can people connect with you, Phil, and find more information on you? Oh, they certainly can go to our website at about, A-B-O-U-T, the, T-H-E, pact, P-A-C-T dot com. That's about the pact dot com. They also could uh, check out uh, my newest release of a book available on Amazon as an Amazon bestseller called Every Child Can Learn. So many strategies in there to be able to use the next day because in my belief system, it has to be practical and easy to be able to implement during a busy school day. And that really is my passion to be able to support educators with those types of strategies and tools and our students. Well, we appreciate it, Phil, for you stopping by again for a great podcast. You provide such great information and look forward to chat next month. Thank you, Neil. All right, guys, that was Every Child Can Learn. Take care. Thanks for listening to Every Child Can Learn. Please visit Phil's website at aboutthepack.com for questions or comments.